Hello, and welcome to Eisner Amper's podcast series, where we try to dig a little deeper on accounting and finance issues facing business professionals and their clients. Today, we're talking about the scourge of fraud in the workplace. I'm your host, Dave Plasco, and with us to share his expertise is Jim Agar, a managing director in Eisner Amper's Financial Advisory Services Group. Jim, thanks for being here today. It's a pleasure to be here, and it's always a pleasure to talk about fraud. Yep, something near and dear to your heart. It is. So, you know, there are many types of fraud. You know, here we're talking about the workplace, so it's occupational fraud. Tell our listeners what that is. It's real simple. Um, Occupational fraud is basically, it's the use of one's position, typically one's employment position, to access gain or other benefits to which one would not otherwise be entitled. Okay, that's pretty straightforward. Um, Tell us about the different forms it can take. Sure. There are three basic categories, uh, misappropriation of assets, corruption, and then financial statement of fraud. Uh, Misappropriation of assets, Mm -hmm. the first one, is the one that we usually think of when we hear about somebody committing fraud against Mm -hmm. his employer or her employer. Um, Things like the hand and the till. Sticky fingers. Sticky fingers. But it doesn't necessarily need to be money. It can be Mm -hmm. inventory. Mm -hmm. It can even be, and we'll get into this a little bit later Mm -hmm. perhaps, but it can be information. It can be ghost employees and things of that nature. So there's a number of different techniques a fraudster might use uh, to misappropriate assets. Okay. Now, companies, how do they set the stage for these bad actors? What conditions are they creating? Well, you know, basically what I advise companies is to keep something in mind called the fraud triangle, which is promoted by the Association of Certified Fraud Examiners as an illustrative tool to basically show the conditions that need to be present in order for fraud to take place. So companies should... Uh, often with the advice of a forensic accountant or, or an investigations professional like myself, identify those areas where they are weak with regard to the three legs of the fraud triangle. The fraud triangle consists of opportunity to commit fraud, pressure to commit fraud, and finally, rationalization over the fraud that it's okay in right. some ways to commit right. that fraud. I, I, I deserve this. I, I, should, I, des- I work hard. I should, have, you know, I should have a bigger paycheck, so I'm going to rationalize that I'm okay to take this money. Yeah, you know, I, I, I should have gotten that promotion. Yeah, yeah. I'm not recognized well here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everybody's doing it. Right. They won't miss it. The owners are rich. It's, you know, it's no big deal. Yeah. Like yeah, you know, on an investigation that I did several years ago, the bad guy, that's a technical term, by mm-hmm. the way, the bad guy, you know, finally admitted, you know, to what he had done. But then he said, you know, look, had the company not expected that I might take some money here or there, they would have put better controls in place. They wouldn't have given me access to the checkbook without requiring dual signatures. They wouldn't have put me in as an officer on the corporate documents. They wouldn't have enabled me to do this stuff if they didn't expect that that was going to be part of my my compensation anyway. What red flags should business owners look for? What what should put their antenna up, you know, to say, hey, something something that doesn't pass the smell test here? Yeah, I mean, there are probably yeah, a million and one, and that's probably yeah. an under an underestimate. But yeah. if I fit. were a business owner, here are some of the things that I would yeah. look at. Uh, number one, um, an employee. Um, who does have some access to financial records or to um, disbursements or to hiring or you know any sensitive area like that who 
essentially just doesn't want to give up control or share information or go on vacation mm-hmm. or delegate duties right. um, in, in, in a period of has a, has a fiefdom with inside the organization. Exactly, yeah. exactly. You know, I don't want you to know what I'm doing yeah. because I don't want anybody to know what I'm yeah. doing. Um, that's one example. Another example is unexplained financial statement fluctuations. Sure. And what I mean by that is um, business owners should always be cognizant of how their revenues and how their expenses and how their income looks. And they can develop a good set of expectations around that. If something happens that doesn't conform to those expectations, one needs to investigate mm-hmm. or one needs to at least ask. If business appears to be steady, but suddenly there's an inability to pay one's bills as they become due, that's a red flag. Now, conversely, if let's say one day an employee is driving to work in a Ford Pinto and then on Monday they come in in a brand new Porsche, is that a red flag? That's a red flag. Let me tell you about an investigation that I did several years ago that demonstrates exactly um, your example. Mm-hmm. A manager of a temporary staffing agency who had control over hiring, firing, and the reporting of hours, as well as the personnel payroll file for people who were under her purview at that agency, was able to change addresses, change reported hours, Mm -hmm. and basically do anything that she wanted in order to create false time entries, ultimately paid by a third-party corporation, but that ultimately ended up in her desk drawer and in her bank account. This same person who probably made a salary of about $50,000 a year was throwing birthday parties for herself and inviting all of her friends, many of whom also worked for the same agency, Mm. at luxury hotels in the downtown area. And then it got even more egregious because then she started deciding to do the same thing, but for her half birthday. By the time it was detected, it was a seasonal thing where it was done for every quarter birthday. No explanation as to why. Begging to be caught. Exactly. Now, Let's say that some of those red flags are appearing and the business owner, you know, has an inkling that something is not right. What should the organization do? Because, I mean, let's look at the other side. There's no crime in having a new car. So how do you balance the, you know, taking action where you think something is askew versus condemning an innocent person? Sure. That's a very, very tough sell. But let's, let's assume for a second that there is impropriety going on and the owner suspects it. What, what should he do? First thing I would do, ask the owner, have you retained counsel? Fraud is a legal issue, and when investigations are not handled properly, an owner can expose himself or herself um, to further damage through uh, lawsuits for reputational damage and things of that nature. So one should be guided by legal counsel. Legal counsel will typically then, uh, in cases where there are accounting or uh, cash theft implications, retain a forensic accountant on behalf of the business owner. Okay. And that's all well and good after the fact. Now, what can owners do to be proactive so it never gets to that level? Sure. 
The biggest thing that we in the forensic accounting field say is to establish a good tone at the top. The best thing one can do is keep in mind the fraud triangle about which we previously spoke. Yep. Opportunity, pressure, and rationalization. The business owner should work as hard as he or she can to limit those three things. If you can't, don't have all three, or even if you have two but you don't have one, fraud doesn't happen. So moving from theory to actually actionable steps. Sure. First thing, increase the perception of detection. Communicate with staff about expectations. Mm -hmm. Perhaps have a code of conduct that employees need to be trained on or at least read and certify mm -hmm. once a year. When there are issues within the organization, pursue prosecution. Mm -hmm. Certainly terminate the employee if appropriate. Make employees understand that, yes, this is a great place to work and I'm empowering you, mm -hmm. but at the same time, there will be consequences sure. if you violate trust. Employees also should have a way to report fraud mm -hmm. if fraud is suspected. A lot of times employees will look the other way because they simply don't want to get involved. Right. They don't want to implicate somebody who they suspect uh, is committing a fraud, even if they're pretty sure that it's happening because they know about the personal consequences that that person might suffer, and God forbid suspicions are wrong. Many of my clients have, at my recommendation, implemented a fraud hotline, yeah. which can either be anonymous or not anonymous. Sure. Uh, there are services out there that actually will independently monitor and report calls. Mm -hmm. So that sort of provides an additional layer of anonymity. Employers should also train employees mm -hmm. on how to detect or how to at least identify some of the red flags. I think we talked just about two of the many yep. uh, earlier on. As the saying goes, you need to kind of know what it is in order to know what it is. Mm -hmm. I'd also consider very strongly looking at one's hiring procedures. And this gets into pressures. If people have histories of arrests, mm -hmm. drug addiction, significant financial pressures as shown by their credit reports, mm -hmm. those are red flags or indicators yeah. that those people might have undue pressures. Mm -hmm. And that those people, you know, Good people, perhaps, yeah, otherwise, sure. but may f come into the organization, have pressures on the outside, and feel that they really have so no do, choice. So do your thorough due diligence when you're hiring someone. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Well, Jim, this is uh, this has been interesting. It's, it's definitely a, an interesting area, uh, very high stakes for business owners. So I, I thank you for your, your expertise and your insight. Thank you very much. And thank you for listening to the Eisner Amper podcast series. Visit EisnerAmper.com for more information on this and a host of other topics. And join us for our next Eisner Amper podcast when we get down to business.